Welcome to Liberty Talks Podcast, and I'm here today interviewing Louis LaRota, who's running for House District 148. It's, it's so good to uh, be here interviewing you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, so, you, uh, so you're running for House District here in Texas, and it's actually looking like a pretty interesting race. I see it all the time on Facebook and social media for at least uh, in the Texas area. It looks pretty good. You're, of course, you, of course, have been endorsed by Governor Abbott, I believe Dan Crenshaw. And uh, so, how did how'd you, how'd you get those endorsements? What, what makes you stick out from the other candidates? Well, there was a vacuum here inside the city of Houston, and Republicans really couldn't challenge Democrats for these seats anymore. And with our principles, we've been able to come into the district and appeal to people because what they really want is the ability to grow economically and to grow their families. So, it's an easy message to spread, but you have to do the work, and that's what we've been willing to do. And it, you know it's been really interesting because I, I mean I've been telling I've been seeing uh, your people out all the time working, uh, and I, what I think it is is I know a lot of my friends. I know Michael uh, really respects you, and I know a lot of my friends who aren't even in your district know about you and respect you, and they've said they want to campaign with you before. Well, but uh, why do you think that is? Well, I, I think it has to do with more your philosophy. Uh, it, uh, so, so, so can you tell us a little about that? Well, what about your philosophy? Do you think draws people in, uh, at least all Republicans? Uh, I should say. Mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, my philosophy is that we need to have limited government, we need to have more free market economics, and we need to have radical self-responsibility. And that resonates with a lot of people, obviously, in the liberty movement, and that's how we've been able to coalesce a strong group of people that normally wouldn't come together from all parts of the state or all different brands of Republican values because they realize that this is probably the last chance that we have to win a seat inside the city of Houston. If things start really slipping the way they've been lately, we could see ourselves not having a Republican state, and that would be a huge blow to the United States and what that would mean in presidential elections as well. Now, I've actually talked to Lieutenant Governor uh, uh, Dan Patrick, yeah. Mm-hmm. I talked to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, and he's actually really worried about Houston right now in Harris County. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's going more blue. Have you noticed this affecting your campaign in any way? Actually, no, it hasn't because we represent the values, of course. We match the demographic. I'm a Hispanic background. My, both my parents were immigrants to this country. Uh, my dad came from Colombia. My mother came from Honduras. And so we match what the Democrats are trying to do you know, with identity politics, yeah. except that we bring values that make sense. And we also are more inviting to people because our values are around limited government. They don't intrude on people's personal rights or personal privacy. So I think that's probably where Republicans in the mainstream have missed a lot of voters. I, I can see that. I want to talk about some of your policies then because you know what really gets people out is policy. Mm-hmm. And so let's just start with the first one since it's in the news. Uh, what, what do you think the U.S. foreign policy should be uh, to other countries, especially in the Middle East and China? Sure. I think we need to have a strong foreign policy. I think obviously trade is the best way to deal with other countries, but we have enemies. And it's not always fair play, but I also fear that having served in the military that things have gotten a bit out of hand. It's been 20 plus years since we've been involved in Iraq and Afghanistan. I think we've used that authorization military force uh, to invade more than 30 plus countries. And I think it's time to actually let Congress do its job. If we are going to have a full-fledged war, we should go in, win it decisively, and get out. I don't think that policies that allow the military to intervene without a definite end game or end strategy 
are going to be good for not only troops that are deployed out there risking their lives, but let's face it, I mean, this is an expensive endeavor, and we're not doing it in just one theater, we're doing it in several. And so how should we combat countries like China then or Russia who are looking to expand militarily and to challenge U.S. hegemony and dominance? Well, we need money because uh, right now we're outspending any other military superpower, you know, eight times over. But that can't last if we undermine our economic standing in the world, which I think our federal debt is actually more of a threat than any other foreign country at this point. China might be growing, but it's a mutually exclusive relationship we have with them because we're the top consumers and the top producers. So uh, they understand the dynamic. Uh, Russia, I don't feel like Russia's a threat, um, but I do feel that what is a threat is basically the way we're handling our finances because it could easily become undone. And this is something I talk about a lot uh, on my show is about uh, finances, specifically social security and the debt. Because uh, a lot of people really don't know why uh, having huge debt is bad. Why can't we just keep spending indefinitely? Uh, so can you tell us some of your economic philosophy behind that? Sure. So I'm, um, I'm more of the Austrian Chicago School of Economics thinking where I think that interest rates could actually cripple us because what the government pays towards interest is actually going to exceed what we can afford to pay as a country. And that's when it becomes very uh, turbulent because the Fed trying to suppress interest rates makes money more available, but we are still borrowing money. At some point, we have to pay that money back. Right now, there's a surge in confidence because the president is doing things that people like, but you can only fake the laws of economics for so long. Sooner or later, things will turn. And I think that it's a, it's a mistake to follow Keynesian economics because intervening in the marketplace is a disruption a market that will self-correct. Now, do you think that the market has time to self-correct with everything that's been going on, such as the imminent collapse of Social Security, Obamacare, uh, and the lower interest rates, or do you think that the United States will take austerity measures before that's able to happen? That's a good question. I don't think that the United States has an appetite for austerity measures, and that's my concern. So we're willing to keep kicking this can down the road as long as it doesn't happen in my lifetimes where people are thinking. But it could happen very soon, and the longer we wait, the larger the market correction will be. Make no mistake about it, it's going to happen, it's just a matter of when. So how should the uh, United States, and Texas specifically, since you're running for the Texas legislature, how should they deal with things such as the welfare state? I think uh, healthcare is the biggest concern in the state because uh, about 60% of what we make in the state, the first portion of it goes to healthcare to the federal government. And about 40% of the money, which I think the last time I looked was about 30 billion, 40% of that was waste just going to regulation. So we can have a robust system to treat people in Texas, but if we're just wasting it in Washington, D.C., what's the point of that? And secondly, to your point, the more we invite Washington to be responsible for meeting our, our checkbook balances, the larger risk we're accepting in case they're the default. Okay, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, more philosophical questions because uh, one thing I love doing when I interview people is, is asking them the same question, which is, what is the role of government? Because I think this is the fundamental question that really divides people. What is the role of government to you? The role of government is to protect our rights. It's to protect personal property. It's to protect freedom. It's to protect our life. That's it. Really, anything above and beyond that is... Uh, is a, is a bastardization of government because government should be like the referee in a soccer match. They're not fixing the game, they're just making sure that we're all playing by the same rules.
And so if the role of government is to protect your rights, uh, your liberty, your freedom, property, all these things, then what are some things that the uh, United States uh, should be doing to help protect these rights? For example, you have, uh, more, broad, more broadly speaking, you have constitutional amendments like the 16th Amendment, which is a federal income tax, uh, and such things like this. Uh, I, I view Social Security as a infringement on people's rights because it's the government coming in, taking their money, and claiming it can spend it better than them, and not giving it back to a certain point in time when it's not their money to begin with. Well, what, what do you think are some of the ways that this can be combated? Hmm. Wow, where to begin? Well, um, I would definitely say we need to scale back the welfare state. That's the first thing. And we can do that if we reduce the effect that Washington, D.C. has. So this isn't going to be palatable to a lot of people. They're not ready for these ideas. This is a major paradigm shift. So you have to scale them down from Washington, D.C. to Austin, Texas. And in Austin, Texas, at least we have the ability to more closely watch what's going on and if need be, replace these people. But ending the welfare state has to be one. I think that we know in this district, House District 148, there is a big welfare state. And I'd say about 15% to 20% of people on a public assistance. And that's actually impressive because Hispanic people are hardworking people. They're proud. They're not going to take public assistance. Yet people on the left keep cramming it down their throat. They're saying, look, this is free. Take this. Well, sooner or later, people are going to wise up and say, well, you know what? We should just take this benefit. And that's a pervasive thought that could really damage our country. So we have to scale back the size of government. This is where Republicans can actually do the right thing. Instead of trying to fix things that are broken, we need to focus on the things and amplify the things that we can do well, which is grow economic opportunities by limiting the scope of government. Now, it sounds like you're sort of making a bottom-up argument for, uh, for limiting the scope of government and... Uh, for really changing uh, how people see it, getting them ready for that. So as a legislator of Texas, how, how would you get the people ready for that? How would you get this mindset off of the welfare state and big government spending and having the government in all aspects of our life? I like this question. I think we need to hold people accountable. I think that sometimes people who are in elected office think that because this isn't within the purview of their responsibility that they can have no impact, but I say that's wrong. I say that people in the community look to us, if I become an elected official, for leadership and direction. These shifts need to be cultural, which means you have to be the community. We have the added benefit that most of the elected officials in this district are Democrats. So it's actually very easy to go to a civic engagement club and just point out the, the, that there's a lack of transparency, where is the accountability? I have 25 years of bad history to show people in this district. And you know, it's pretty evident when you point it out what's going on. Because the people are paying out of their pocketbooks, they know something's going on, and it's going on in a very foul way. Now, uh, the people in your district, what are some things you're proposing to help them get out of these situations, to help them get out of the uh, corruption of the government yoke, let's say? Sure. Um, well, an easy one is taxes. Uh, there's a lot of uh, lucrative ideas going around to decrease uh, people's tax liability. Um, one that's easily done here, and I think that would help a lot of entrepreneurs, is eliminating the franchise tax, otherwise known as a margins tax. So in Texas, and I think Nevada is probably the only state that has this type of tax, it's so difficult to comply, you actually have to keep two sets of books. So you're paying twice the amount, and this money is draining entrepreneurs and small businesses from being able to employ people. That's a direct effect on the community. And also for people who want to save and buy a home, Every tax that comes down the pipeline, because we all know businesses, they're going to pass those taxes on to the consumers. So you're taking people's saving capacity away. 
So for instance, my family, um, my mom and my dad both worked. Um, my dad had a car accident, my mom worked, then they both worked. Uh, there was a tragedy in our family. Somebody got killed due to gang violence. And fortunately, my mother was savvy and fiscally conservative enough to have saved money so that we could get out of that neighborhood. That's how I survived that neighborhood. But other people aren't so lucky. Some people only have a single parent with a single job. And when these things happen, you don't have money, there is no out. And I think people that have more wealth and are middle class, they don't see the problems of people who are trying to break that poverty barrier. And that's the difference. And some Democrats seem to think that they're doing favors for people like us by offering us uh, after school and free meals and free this and free that. Nobody came to this country for free anything. Let's make that absolutely clear. America attracts the best people in the world because this is a country where we can get ahead. It's not that we came for a handout. So I'm concerned that there's a lot of brainwashing going on and it's gotta stop. Now, I believe that culture, uh, that politics is downstream from culture. And before this interview, me and you talked about a little bit how uh, we need to fundamentally change the culture of the United States. That in order to make a lot of these changes we wanna make, there, where we have to instill certain values and not just make uh, efficient economic arguments. So as a representative in the Texas legislature, what would you do to help change that culture and bring people over to a new way of thinking, hey, not everything has to come from a leftist uh, thought of big government has come to save you. Uh, how, how would you do that? Well, talk is cheap. People have to walk the walk. So I think leadership, as we were talking before, begins in the community. So one of the things that I would advocate for and Governor Abbott agrees is we need to reform these occupational licensing standards because not only do we have a license for just about anything you can think of, but it's not even meeting. Cosmetics license? Yeah, that's ridiculous. I always ask people who cut my hair, I'm like, how many months did it take you to get this? And it's always an obscene amount of time. So think about the amount of people that can't go to work because they need to get a uh, license from Austin. So Governor Abbott's actually working to scale that back. And even more to the point that affects this district, there's a lot of people that have been sucked into criminal justice reform from being institutionalized to these schools that have let everyone down. And now those people, for having committed a minor offense, a small cannabis possession, whatever, now they're ruined for life. Instead, why don't we make it so these occupational licenses allow people to enter the workforce? So Governor Abbott and I agree that one of the things that you know these companies that are hiring and declining felons should do is list the the, uh, the crimes that they won't accept people to work because it's actually ambiguous. It's a small thing that we can do, but getting involved at that level, at least people have a chance. And to be pretty honest, what Democrats do very well is they remain in the community long after they've gotten their election. One, they secure it by having these advocacy groups. And I mean, I've been in this community now and I've seen a lot of things that go on and they have a really well-oiled machine, but it's flawed because their beliefs are flawed. Now, what if we were to go into the community, build these systems, be engaged, show people that self-reliance is a way to get ahead? We would make a profound impact, and I think that's possible. I do that through my uh, charitable work with the Travis Manion Foundation. We go into schools where there's troubled youth, where there's gifted youth, it doesn't matter, which teach character development, leadership. Some of these kids don't have parents, uh, they come from broken homes, but they are looking for leadership. And that means that people in the community can get involved directly into the schools. You don't have to wait for the school system to solve people's problems. Sometimes these kids just need a mentor, and it's something that can easily be done. And that's something I've, I've actually uh, really thought about before is 
Uh, and Dan Crenshaw talked about this before too. He talked about going to these communities and giving these kids a role model, a mentor that they can learn from. He's actually talked about bringing uh, military people uh, into these communities, which I think uh, would be something that's a good idea. Uh, which you, you saying that kind of reminded me of it. Yes. Uh, so this is definitely something that I would like to uh, uh, see. As a matter of fact, uh, we had this conversation last time I spoke with Dan, and uh, I asked, how do we get to people earlier? And I said, you know, I'm working with the college age conservatives and liberty people. And he said, no, you got to go earlier. You got to go to high school. And it was an epiphany. I'm like, you know, he's absolutely right. So getting into the high schools, getting in early into people's minds when they're being formed, because by the time you get to college, I mean, how many conservative professors do you have? I, I don't know how the University of Houston is, but, you know, where I went to school, it was very liberal. Yeah, it's, it's a rare, rare animal. Mm, exactly. Uh, but anyways, I think it's going to have to do it for now. So, uh, Louis LaRada, thank you so much. Uh, can you tell the audience where they can find you if they want to know more about you and uh, give you the last word? Sure. Uh, so, our website is LouisLaRotaForTexas.com, spelled L-U-I-S-L-A-R-O-T-T-A, the word F-O-R, Texas.com. You can find us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're very active there. And we encourage you guys to get involved. Uh, you don't have to live in my district. We could use a lot of help from people surrounding our district. And it's a challenging district, so for the people that are liberty-minded, this is a good way to test your mettle. Come out here and talk to people. You'd be surprised how many people actually like our message. I find it all the time. So I encourage you to get involved with this race. If we win this race, which I think we have a good chance of winning, this could set the tone for further races in the state of Texas. We could be a model. And that's what I really want to do is inspire people like you, like me, all around us to believe once again that you know our values matter and our values can shine and it'll teach the Republican Party a valuable lesson not to turn their back on us. Well that's Louis LaRota, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks I appreciate so this. Yeah.